Welcome to Badass, Man to Man. We're keeping it real, searching for purpose, striving for significance, and empowering you to fulfill your assignment. Let's do this. Good morning, gentlemen, and welcome back. I wanted to just throw out some buzzwords this morning, and I'm sure that you're going to be very familiar with them. Revival, renewal, transformation, move of God. I think we've all heard these terms used in the church over the years, and I it just befuddles me sometimes on what do we mean when we use these types of words. I mean, from from when I first started going to church, which was some 40 years, 30, 38 years ago, I would constantly hear the word revival. And the premise, I believe, from where it's been established is that we are to see a revival in the world where we witness multi-millions of multiple millions of people coming to the saving grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. And I think we have used these words not just as buzzwords, but almost in a non-informative way because they, they, they appear very um, open-ended, I guess, is, I, I guess is the comment I'm trying to make, because there's no... There's no real validity or scope to the depth of the meaning of some of these words. And that this something I would just want to address today, we're so used to hearing certain terms and words and terminologies that I think we've lost sight of what it all entails and what it all means. I mean, when the church cries out for revival, they... Their mindset, as I just said, is looking for God to move upon their cities, towns, communities, states, nations, whatever it might be, and bring people into the church. And when we look at the word revival, it's basically reviving something that was dead, dying, or just non-existent. So when we sit in the church and we hear the words revival, does that mean revival for the world? Does that mean revival for the church? But if it means revival for the church, how can we revive something that's not dead? Because if the Spirit of Christ is within each and every one of us, we're not dead. So that brings us to the the next buzzword, when we talk about renewal. Well, what, what does renewal mean? What does, what does that represent to you? And, you know, I'm, I'm throwing these things out there as, as questions, statements, thoughts, just going through my head. I'm, I don't have all the answers. I'm, I'm not trying to poke fun. I'm not trying to um, use this platform or this seat to mock and criticize, but I, I want to know what do we mean by all these words? And if you go from 
place to place and different church to different church, you're going to hear different interpretations. So renewal. Renewal from what? We are renewed in our spirit to the degree that we're perfect in our spirit. Now, our soul and our body needs work. Some of us need a lot of work. I need a lot of work. But when it's, and when it's termed renewal, are we talking about church renewal? Are we talking about, as Scripture speaks in the book of Romans, chapter 12, being transformed by the renewing of your mind? I think we can all say that, yeah, we need a mind that is renewed. And what does that mean? Because Scripture also tells us in 1 Corinthians that we have the mind of Christ. And so there's, there's a lot of words that we reiterate, that we vocalize, that we kind of sort of try to interpret, but I, we don't have the, I don't think we have the depth of the understanding of what it means. Because if I have the mind of Christ, then why do I do stupid things? Why do I think stupid things? Why do I react to stupid things? And it, does that come back to renewal? Well, if I have the mind of Christ, I don't need the mind of Christ renewed. Because if I have his mind, then that's everything I need, right? I should be thinking the way he thinks. I should be understanding. I should have that knowledge, the wisdom, the interpretation, the depth the breath of, of God. I mean, <clears throat> let, let's face it. I mean, if what does all this mean? And may, maybe I'm just running down and trying to find different rabbit holes to, you know, run down this one and come up the other side and not make any sense at all. But have we become so, so triggered by certain words, whether it be conversation with a friend, whether it be from the platform, as you listen to the Word of God, or whether it be songs that are sung from worship platforms throughout the world. I mean, we, we say things that we don't understand. We say things that we may have a different perspective on, but I don't think we completely understand the depth and complexity of what we're actually saying. And then there's, there's another buzzword of transformation, uh, the move of God. And we've become very, can I say, s cynical in some respects because we say these words, but I don't think we really mean them. For God to move, he doesn't, he doesn't have to get our permission, so to speak. God's going to do what he's going to do within within the confines of his church to bring about a level of renewal and revival, because if there's anything that needs to be revived and renewed right now, I believe it is the church. I think the, the, the world is on its own platform that is confused, is spinning out of control, and that we're responsible for a lot of things that have taken place and going on, because we have found ourselves within the confines of the four walls of the church, and we're looking for the revival, we're, we're looking for the renewal, we're looking for the transformation and move of God so that we can all get out of here, right?
Well, if, if your mindset is directed towards that particular avenue of, okay, the world is so screwed up, I can't wait to get out of here, whether, whether I die before Jesus comes or when Jesus comes, then we can escape with him. And I think if that's your, your perception or your understanding of why God gave you life and why you accepted him as Lord, I believe that your, your mindset towards that is, is, has been minimized to the degree that that's all we see, that that's all you see. Because there's so much more than just going to heaven to be with the Lord. But anyway, I'm shooting down, like I said, bunny trails, right? But when we come into a position of saying, okay, Lord, I need to be revived. All right, now, if I'm a new Christian, I have to embrace that, or I need to understand what that actually means in my life. My spirit is brand new. So now that I have begun or started a walk with Christ, this being revived is taking on and receiving the breath of God into my mind, into my emotions, into my will, and therefore that affects my body in a good way. And when I have embraced that reviving within me, because basically God has revived who I am as a new creature in Christ, and then begins the renewing. And I may have broached this on one of the other episodes, but when our spirit is made brand new in Christ, we're that new creature our mind and our body has to go through or needs to go through a time, well, not actually a lifetime or a lifestyle of renewal because it's a working out of your salvation daily. And that's another scripture. What does that mean? Well, I'm saved. How can I, why do I need to work out my salvation daily? Well, when we reference our spirit being brand new in Christ, and as I've referenced before, that we begin to look into the Word of God, which is now the mirror image of the Spirit of Christ within us. That's how we begin to identify our identity so we can become clear on who we are in Christ. And when we reference this transformation and, and renewal, that is a, a working and a walking out of our salvation daily because saving the soul is something that we do on a daily basis because it comes from, again, the representation of the mirror, mirror image of God in his word as the Spirit of Christ is reflected within us and through us and its effects that it has upon our soul, our mind, will, and emotions. That's the renewing. 
That is the revival that's taking place within you. That's the reforming of who you used to be to who you now are and are becoming. And we have used a lot of these terms in the past to reference, okay, God's going God's to bring a revival. God's going to move on the earth. God's going to reform this. God's going to do that. And he's actually doing it through you because it's that adaptation of the word of God living and breathing through and in your existence as a person, as a human being. It redefines the way you think, the way you act, the way you feel, the way you respond. And let's, let's just put aside all this, you know, when people raise their hands and just say, Lord Jesus, come. Well, what does that mean? He's already here. He's within you. Or Holy Spirit, come on down. We used to sing a song back in the day, Lord, send your Holy Ghost, come on down. And, you know, it was a, a fast-moving, thumping song, and everybody would be dancing and cheering and shouting and raising hands, and, you know, myself included. Well, when we ask the Holy Spirit to come on down, where's he coming from? If he's already in us, where did he go? It's not like he. It's not like our bodies are an Airbnb where the Holy Ghost comes and goes. It's he's within us. He's he's resident. He's not going anywhere. So again, the terminology, the references. I think we think that we're saying the right things, but when we actually take the time to study or think about the words we're saying, we're like, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense. I'm singing this song that makes no sense. Lord, send your Holy Ghost, come on down. No, that, that's, that's not even scriptural. That doesn't make sense to me. And I think we've, we, we've gotten off base so many times because we want to excite and encourage people, absolutely. We want to bring hope to the world, absolutely. So if we can, if we can um, surmise this or summarize this, if we're asking for revival, then God's going to say, okay, I need to revive the church because the church is my body this is my people, and they need to be revived so that they can effectively, efficiently, and rightly affect the world with my kingdom so that there can be a demonstration of the power of God throughout the entire globe, which is the kingdom of God moving throughout the world. So when we cry for revival, you better be careful what you're asking for. Because I think the way God looks at it is, okay, you want me to revive? I need to revive you guys first because you don't have it all together. And I don't say that tongue-in-cheek. I don't say that to mimic or mock believers because you know what? I don't have it all together. I don't understand a lot of things because... and. I, th I think we've made the Gospels 
complicated. I think we've made the Word of God complicated, and some of it, you may not like what I'm going to say, but some of it is because there are some preachers that have made it complicated that they present themselves as the only ones that can rightly understand and interpret what God is saying. Therefore, it leaves the congregation um, like a, a carrot on a stick that if I'm to hear from God, then I need, I need to attend and I need to sit before this person because he really has the true interpretation of the Word of God. And it's, it's a fine line, fellas. It, it really is because when you get to that point, you've replaced God with a preacher. The mind of Christ is within your mind. The Spirit of Christ has, for lack of a better word, taken over and invaded your spirit because you've asked him into your life. So you can rightly have the correct interpretation of Scripture because the Word of God resides within you. He is in you. He's not going anywhere. You don't have to ask him to come down again. You don't have to ask him to save your soul or, yeah, to save your soul again. You don't have to pray the sinner's prayers is what I'm saying. You don't have to keep repeating that. You don't have to feel like you've backslidden, as I talked about the other week. And it's, it's, the, it's the, the mental gymnastics that we put ourselves through that we sound good when we use certain words. Oh, God's going to bring about a revival. He's going to restore and he's going to reform and he's going to renew and there's going to be a mighty move of God. What does all that mean? They're buzzwords. And we say them to make ourselves feel good because we recognize that the world is in a mess, but it was a mess before. It's always been a mess. There, it was a mess before we knew the Lord. It's a mess since we've come to accept Christ. So it's, it's, it's cyclical. It, we, we go through seasons and changes and life development and a lot of, of things that change with the times, but it's the same dialogue. People 20, 40, 60, 80 years ago, I, <laughs> I, I, I can pretty much tell you, they were going through the exact same things we are going through today. And that's why I believe life history is, is very cyclical in, it, in how it evolves. Yes, things change. Uh, technology changes. People change. Um, the, the availability to things change. The advancement of things change. Absolutely. But when we're dealing with the mind, when we're dealing with the soul of a person, it's still the same. When a person accepts Christ as Lord and Savior, the person that did that 2,000 years ago is the same as the person that accepts him today. It's the same spirit in Christ that is now in you. And it's the renewal and the revival of your soul that transforms you 
into the image of God that on the way that he sees you in his word. When we can bring about the simplicity of the gospel, when we can bring about a, an easier understanding, because we've made it way too complicated, like I just said. It's when when uh, Martin Luther, was it 1517, when the, the Reformation, when he brought about the understanding and broke away from the Catholic Church and brought about his uh, 95 thesis or whatever it's called, and he recognized and realized that he didn't have to be conformed to the way that the Catholic Church was conducting business. And he broke free from that, and he knew that there was a revelation that would come, or the Word of God that made clear that he could have a personal relationship with Christ and didn't have to look to others to have them lord over him, to have them decide how they should function in life. Well, I believe that we are in another Reformation. And you say, okay, now you're using buzzwords. <laughs> Absolutely, I am. So what does Reformation mean? We're reforming something. Have we, come to a, have we come to a place? This is a question, guys. Have we come to a place where what we have known for so long, over the last 500 years, let's, let's go back to the initial Reformation of Martin Luther. Are we now in another Reformation 500 years later? And if so, how does it look? What's going on? I mean, if, if we look back on the last 5, 10, 30 years, we can see that there's been a shifting and a changing, again, more buzzwords. So when we're dealing with a reforming that's taking place, has the church or does the church as we currently know it changing? Is it, is it making a, a change in direction? Has it been reformed in, or is it being formed into something else? Is it being adapted into a different, a different viewpoint, a different perspective? I'm not talking about changing the Word of God. I'm not talking about manipulating the salvation message. I'm not talking about doing that. I'm talking about what does the church look like? Since COVID, there has been a, a, a different, uh, different strain of events that have taken place within the body of Christ. The church has lost an incredible amount of people. Why? Why have they done that? Was being home and not attending church giving them a sense of, why am I going to church? Why do I have to listen to this? Or maybe they said, I'm done with church. I don't want to go back. Or maybe they're saying, okay, I'm just going to stay home and watch it online. There are a lot of things that are taking place that I don't think we completely understand what is taking place. But we're in a position, I believe, personally, and I certainly could be wrong. I've been wrong before. I was wrong yesterday. I'll probably be wrong tomorrow, <laughs> as, as we all are. Because we don't understand everything, right? There's, there's, no, there's no way that we can understand everything. That's, God's not going to allow you to do that because you become 
so egotistical and so narcissistic that you, you, you'd think you'd be able to control the world. And we've seen people like that throughout the ages, and they've really screwed things up. So w- w- when we look at the changing or shifting sands, another buzzword, on how the church appears now different to what it was two years ago or five years ago, I think we're seeing a different uh, appreciation or a different approach or a different set of rules that are taking place within the believer's lives. Because now, well, let's put it this way. When, if you were stuck home for a few years without going to church, did you open the Word of God and begin to read? And were there some things that you read that you're like, I don't understand this, because this does not make sense from the way I was taught, or I'm trying to figure out what this means, but the way that I think it should mean doesn't make sense. And I think we have stepped away from the the depth of the truth of the Word of God because we have allowed others to interpret it for us. And I personally believe that we all have an individual walk with Christ. There are principles that we certainly have to walk with and abide by because there are consequences if we go down a different, a different road, a different lane, contrary to the Word of God. I didn't write his word. He wrote it. And so there are certain stop signs, flags, merging signs, yielding signs. There are crossroads that we come into contact with. And it is up to us as individuals, just like Martin Luther had this revelation, which set the stage for several hundred years, but there's still some things that need to be redefined or defined in a greater degree onto what he encountered, because he can only go so far. He was only given so much revelation. So how do we adapt to this let's say, new world in the church? How do we adapt to what is taking place in society? What is going on within you? If, if you have to be spoon-fed every week the Word of God from a man or a woman of God, then I don't believe that you are doing right by what God did in you to save your life, to renew your spirit, and ask you to walk out your salvation daily. It's his word that's truth. What does that mean to you? And what a lot of it, this podcast going on a little bit longer. You know, you can tell when I get on a rant, I just have a difficulty signing off. But have our lives become incredibly indoctrinated by what we have learned over the years because others have taught us a certain way. And again, I'm not, I'm not trying to poke fun because others only know what they have learned also. So again, it's, it's the cyclical stuff. It's the stuff that's passed down from generation to generation. And you know, 
some of these preachers may not be right on line with what they're saying, but they're phenomenal people. They're great people, but they believe this. And I believed a bunch of stuff over the years that I've really begun to look at differently and question why I believe certain things. Again, I'm not, to, I'm not addressing salvation here. That's, that's primo number one. You know, that's, that, that's something you're not going to, uh, you're not going to change. Jesus Christ comes into your life. Hey, that's, that, that's the cold hard truth. That's it. You ask him in, he, he's in. <clears throat> but there are other things that have taken place. There are other things that have been spoken. And I think one of the hardest things for a believer to encounter is redefining how they approach and understand the Word of God in relation to how they've been taught the Word of God and be able to refine what the Word of God says. In other words, if you are to take a different approach or a different viewpoint about certain scriptures, it is so difficult and it's so hard to break away from what you have known from a religious setting. Because I believe a religious mindset is harder to break than a drug addiction. Because it's, it's the mindset, it's the mind game, it's the indoctrination, it's the depth of what you have embraced, and it's, it just sinks to the depths, it really sinks to the depths of your soul, and that's not some cliche statement, that's an actual fact, because it permeates your entire being. It takes a hold of you to such a degree and such a level it, it manipulates the way that you operate, that you walk, talk, think, speak, and, and, and engage with people and look at things and look at people. And so, you know, wh when we see these things, we really have to take inventory and take account of what we're doing, thinking, and saying. And, you know, some of us, maybe we're pissed off with the church, so we're doing whatever we want to do. Now, that's not necessarily good because it's going to affect your soul and your body. Your mind, will, and emotions are going to take on a different kind of understanding, but Christ is still within you. And it's that, it's that to and fro. And you can always be guaranteed that a believer is still in Christ, even though they may have uh, taken a step off to the side for a season. Because when they do something they know that isn't right, there's a conviction that comes upon them and within their heart. Therefore, you know that you're still in Christ. You're not in the church because you've decided, I, I, I can't do this right now. I, I need to step aside. I'm, I'm, I'm done with these uh, theatrics or I've done with this entertainment or I've done listening to people tell me what to do. And... And, okay, understandable, but all places aren't all that bad, okay? There are some great places and people out there, and you have to do your homework and due diligence and seek them out. But just don't um, paint the church in one color, as, unfortunately, I used to. I don't do it now 
because I know that there are quality people out there speaking and preaching the kingdom and delivering the word of God in right balance. And so, you know, when, when we look at our own lives, forget about other people. Forget about what's going on in the world right now. Let's take a look at you. Where, where, where are you positioned right now? Has life taken a bit of a twist and a turn? Have there been some difficulties that you've encountered? So if you're upset with the church, let's just put the church aside a minute. If you're upset with preachers, just put the preachers aside for a minute because it's, it's affecting you in a way that it doesn't need to. You're allowing a lot of things to just continue to marinate and be regurgitated in your soul because the more that you talk about it, the more that you rehearse it, the more pissed off you get, right? It doesn't change because you love to complain about it. You love to take positions on that you think you know better and you've been hurt and you just regurgitate all that stuff and it's doing nothing but hurt and hurt you, hurt your people, hurt the people around you. So it's it, it's a time, it's a place where you are to take yourself in Christ and begin looking at yourself as a person, looking and defining the way that God sees you and also looking at the way that you see yourself. Because if you don't see yourself in a good light, then you know, then the repercussions of that aren't great. And you, you all know. We, you know, we can be a sloth and just waste time vegetating on a couch and you've gained a hundred pounds in the last year, two years. <clears throat> okay, that's gonna affect your body. Or you could be just involved or just enamored <clears throat> by certain other people that aren't really speaking or clearly identifying a good relationship with others. In other words, you just you, you put your mind in another game that is contrary to what and how God sees you, but you've embraced it and it's taken its toll on your on your mind, on your will, and on your emotions. And, okay, I get it. We're all upset. We can all be ticked off and pissed off with so many things, whether it be the church, whether it be politics, whether it be arts and entertainment, it, it, whatever it is, we can all have that opinion. But you're responsible for you. And I, I'm not getting preachy or I'm not trying to get clickish with all with all these comments but it it's time for men first of all to know who you are as a man in God and to be a man and to begin to allow God's word that again that's that mirror image on the way Christ sees you you're in God's word because that's how he sees you, as a completed product, as a completed person. That's the way that he sees you in his word through the spirit of Christ. So now it does become <clears throat> a reviving in your soul. It does become 
a renewing in your soul. It does become a transforming in your soul. And it does become a move of God within you as an individual. And it's not, it's not pinpointed on the rest of the world. It's directly associated and aligned with who you are because it is that renewal that God's looking for in you so that God can effectively use you for your assignment, which for 96, 97% of us is not ministry in the church. Your assignment is in the world. Your assignment is in Babylon. Your assignment is in the, the career fields, the passions, the desires, the drives, the, the thing that wakes you up in the morning, the thing that you go think, the thing that you think about when you go to bed at night. That's the passion. That's the dream. If you're consumed by something that you're having such a hard time breaking away from because you know that it affects you, if it's something that pisses you off in society, if it's something that you're constantly talking about, if it's something that you see how you can bring change, that's your assignment. It's not in the church. Your assignment, for the most part, if you choose to accept it, is out in the world. It's not in the church. That's why we have, we have turned and twisted the, the words around so much that the church doesn't have it together. It's going to be a long time for the church gets it together. But a personal renewal, revival, transforming move of God in your life will bring around that change that you desperately need, whether you believe it or not, or whether you agree with it or not, but that you need to be able to position yourself for the very purpose, assignment, and destiny that God created you to fulfill in your life. That's where the rubber meets the road. You have to take personal responsibility for who you are. Nobody else can do it. The preacher can't do it. Your wife can't do it. Your kids can't do it. Your therapist can't do it. You are responsible for you. You are responsible to take initiative. You are that person that God says, I've, I've assigned this to you. Do you want it or don't you want it? Because ultimately, that's the choice that God gave you. He is not going to ram it down your throat. He's not going to jam it in your ear holes. It's your responsibility. Now, what will you do with it? But, you know, think on these things, guys. Think on these things. You are responsible for you first. And when you are on point, then your wife your spouse, your family, your children are now on point. Because it's the security of a man, the strength of the man, the wisdom of a man that brings balance into relationships, marriages, workplaces, businesses, whatever you put your hand to. When you're right, the world is right. Take care, guys. Talk soon. Bye-bye.